The Bible is the living word of God, and it will do a work inside of your life. And I want to encourage you as we approach the new year to make a plan and begin to start reading the Bible. We will pass out some plans here on how to read through the Bible in a year. Uh, and honestly, there's, there's nothing super spiritual about reading the Bible in a year. Just reading the Bible is what's spiritual. Uh, many of us, many people choose to read the Bible through in a year, and that's great. And uh, this testimony, what Stan's doing, is just a, a God thing. And if you really want to, if you really want to hear, sit, sit with Stan sometime. Those of you who know him, or even if you don't know him, go up. He'll be glad to share his story about what God has done in his life while he's been reading the Bible throughout these years. When he's, we sat at lunch one day and he was telling me about, it, I'm just like, isn't isn't God good to meet with us and to know us and to speak to us and. And if we're hungry for him and we're seeking him, you'll discover things about God that'll be life transforming. And as you read the word, it, the word will just come alive inside of you. I mean, make that plan and begin to read the word and begin to begin to study the word. Let's stand together. We're talking about divine destiny. Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. For we are the workmanship, or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we're so thankful today that we can rest in our salvation, that we're not saved by our works, but that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Inspire us in that today and move us in that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment, think about this. What are the biggest, most important days of your life? What are the biggest, most important days of life? Uh, we would think today, uh, I would think, you know, birth is an important day in our life, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a birthday. Is that right? Now, for me, I have a birth month. I tell my children they should celebrate all month long. They should bring me things all month long. I mean, after all, if, if I hadn't been born, where would they be? Uh, so it should be a big celebration all month long. We should just celebrate birth month for Pastor Mark. Birthday's a big day, even though I had very little to do with it, and you had very little to do with your birthday. You didn't choose it. You didn't choose to come. That was by the will of a mother and a father and by the will of God. You had very little to do with it. You didn't plan it. You didn't think ahead and think, I want to be born here or there or this family or that family. No, God was in all of that. You had nothing to do with it. Now, for me, another big day in my life was the day I did. It was the day I got my driver's license. For me, that was a big day. I prepared. I had, I had that day marked on my calendar for a couple of years before my birthday came. Any, any guys here like that besides me? I mean, that was, I was looking forward. That was a day that represented some freedom to me. In the last about 130 days, I was counting them down. I could, 79 days to go, 63 days to go, 40 days to go. I knew my, I knew when it was coming and I had worked and prepared. You know, I think back on that day and Getting my driver's license those early days, I'm reminded of the song that the scarecrow uh, sang in The Wizard of Oz, If I Only Had a Brain. Uh, <laughs> life might would have been better. The day, the day we become saved, we accept Christ into our life. What an eternity-changing day that is for us. Again, that's a day that we don't prepare for. May not even seen it coming. We don't sit and say, okay, on January 3rd, I'll get saved, or on June 6th, I'll get saved. God puts that on a calendar, and he begins to work us towards that day, and he sends people into our life, and he compels us and draws us, but we did very, very little for this great, important day. 
It's a great day in our life. Uh, marriage day. I didn't get married till I was 28. If I had got married at 22 my, and my wife had shot me sometime in those early years, a discerning judge would have said, sweetheart, we are so sorry for your trouble. <laughs> you did what any sensible person would have done, go and be free and enjoy the rest of your life. <laughs> That's what would have happened to me. Uh, many spend, but here's, here's the interesting, many spend more time getting ready for the wedding day than they do making sure they're ready for marriage. They dream of the wedding day and all the things, and that's a great thing to dream about and a great thing to work out, and we should prepare for it and plan for it, and it can be a great celebration. But if you're young in this room and you're thinking about getting married, you better be thinking about the days that come after that wedding because that's going to that's have far more impact on your life than the wedding day. And, and hear me, there's no magic maturity zone that happens up here. We don't have any magic water to wave over people and you suddenly become, if you walk down the aisle immature, you're walking back out the aisle immature. If you walk down selfish, you're walking out selfish. If you're kind of mean-spirited and nasty, you're walking out kind of mean-spirited and nasty. There's nothing magical about that moment. What's magical is that the salvation of God that changes our spirit. You better make sure that's right. Better make sure that's right. Another big day maybe is the birth of our children. And again, this is a big day. And again, it's, it's a day that as we see it's coming, we prepare for it. We get rooms ready and we get things ready. We prepare ourselves. We learn some lessons. But so many times we do the same thing with it as we do with marriage. We prepare for the day the child is born and we don't give much consideration to what's going to happen after the child is born. What do we want their core beliefs to be? What kind of character do we want them to have? What faith do we want them to live in? And what are we going to do to develop those things? So many times we just kind of think those things will just naturally unfold. And yet we live in a world that is very intentionally speaking to those issues into our children's lives. We better very intentionally plan and be speaking back and telling them what we believe and laying a foundation. See, most of the big days of our life are worthy of preparation. When we see them, we know they're worthy of consideration and they're worthy of research. Let me show you a couple of numbers here. And you think about how big these numbers are. 25,500. Does that seem like a big number to you? 29,200. 32,850. 36,500. You know what those numbers represent? 70 years of life, 80 years of life, 90 years of life, 100 years of life. How many days you have on this earth? And all of our days are numbered. And from the moment we're born, they are counting down. Now, do you honestly think you're going to break all the odds and you're going to live to be 200? <laughs> or do you think there's some number in there between 100 and 0 and 100 that's going to be your day? And you're going to go and cross the bridge from this earth into standing before God 
There, that's one big day that most of us don't like to talk about. And yet all of our days are numbered. It's the day that we're going to die. So here is an important question. We know that's a day that's coming. What would make a successful life? What would a life look like that was successful? What do I need to do to prepare for that day? And I can hear some of you saying right now, I don't want to talk about this. This is depressing. Is it? You know, I, I, know, I know people who don't have, listen, I've talked about this a time or two. I just want to say it real quick. I know, I know men, I know men with children who don't have life insurance, and really the issue is they're scared that if they get it, it means they're going to die. It, it doesn't mean that. It means you've protected your children. Do right by your children. You hear me? I'm pastors just speaking heart to heart to you right now, guys. Listen, that day's coming for all of us. But here's the question for a Christian. Is it really depressing? I can see why it is for someone who doesn't know Jesus. I can see why a person who doesn't know Jesus, hasn't, hasn't prepared their life, hasn't received him and found the hope that comes in Jesus' name in their life. I can see why, you know, realizing I am now 40, I'm now 50, and there's more days behind me than in front of me why that can be concerning but as a Christian why do I want to hang out here I mean really think about it why do you want to hang out here now you say when you're young I talk to teenagers all the time and, and you know they have all kinds of experiences they still want they want to fall in love and they want to get married and they want to have children and, and I remember that I remember all oh, that my dad would be talking about the second coming I'd say I hope it's 10 years from now you know I remember those days. I remember all the, but, but what about when you, once you've experienced all of those things? Once all those things have happened, why do you want to hang out here? Maybe you enjoy life. I enjoy life. I, I enjoy my family and I enjoy the, the things of life. There's, there's things about life I don't enjoy. Am I the only one that has that in your, my life? There's things about life I don't enjoy. But there's a lot of things about life I'm grateful that I do enjoy them. But I know heaven's going to be better. I know, I know to die is gain. It's not a loss. So, so you know, why be depressed that the years are coming, that the race is coming to an end? Victory's coming if I'm ready. Victory's coming if I'm ready. So what makes me want to stick around today? Say, are you going to go kill yourself? No, 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 no. There's reason to stick around today. Can I give you the, the main one? Duty. There's a, there's a work to do. I feel like I still have, I feel like I still want to speak into my kids' lives. I want to see them continue to grow up and to mature and to get their faith founded. There, there's a work to do in my children's life. I have a duty to them that if God blesses me, I want to fulfill that duty. I don't know how long he'll give me. None of us have that guarantee, but as long as I'm here, I have a duty to my children to point them towards Christ, to my grandchildren, to point them towards Christ. I hold them in my arms. I look at them. I want to speak into their life. I, I, I don't want to just have fun with them I want to do something eternal with them there's a work to be done there's duty there's a job to fulfill there's ministry to do there's work in our generation to be done that we can make a difference in the world that we live in if we will be used of God if we will step into that work and we will do it there is a purpose for life 
Remember towards the end of my dad's life, on several occasions, he would say to me and to others, you know, I'm ready to go. His, his body was breaking down. Uh, he wasn't feeling good most of the time. And uh, one day I said to him, why do you say that? You know, we, we want you to stick around for a while. And he looked at me and he said, I can't do the things I love anymore. I love to preach. I can't do that anymore. So I love to teach. I really can't do that anymore. I love to pastor and I don't have the energy or the strength or the ability to do that anymore. I, 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 I like to enjoy my children, and, 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 but, but I'm feeling so bad it's hard for me to enjoy life anymore. If I'm not going to get better, I'm ready to go home. What's he saying? I can't fulfill my purpose here anymore. If I can't do that, uh, then what's the sense in being here when they're so much better? Now, what will matter on that day? On that big day, what is going to matter? When you cross, uh, cross, are the things you argued about this week really going to matter on that day? Are things that bothered you this week, they really going to matter on that day? Are things you invested your money in this week or this year, are they really going to matter on that day? And, and, and maybe many of us can sit here and say, you know what, this year I invested my talents and my resources and things that are going to matter on that day. And maybe some of us have to, have to look and say, you know what, I spent a lot of time and a lot of worry and a lot of fret and a lot of effort on things that at the end of my life are not going to matter at all. You can pour your life into all sorts of things. People pour their life into work. They, some people pour their life into accumulating wealth. I read about a guy who, who his whole life was around model trains. He could tell you all sorts of things about trains. Took you into this, they took us into this big room that he, had, that he had built out behind his house, and there was this massive collection of toy trains, all kinds of them, running everywhere. It was, I mean, it was really a beautiful, marvelous sight to behold, to see all these trains going all over the place. And he was so proud of it, and he could tell you about the different tracks and how big the tracks were and the different kind of trains, the ones he got from England, the ones he got from this place and that place, the ones he found in, in, in people's your attics. He had all kinds of, all kind, literally had spent over $100,000 on trains. I'm going, good for you. Spend our life on fishing or golfing or hunting or some other thing. And for most of those things, there's nothing really wrong with it except for one thing I'll tell you about in a moment. I, I knew a guy, you'd go into his basement and his wall, literally, he would take you down and you'd go to his house and every time I was at his house, I was at his house five or six times and usually with other people, he always wanted us to go down in his basement because he wanted to show us his wall. And his wall was covered with beer bottles and beer cans from different companies and different places that he had drunk beer from. So he had beer cans, again, from Germany and from Japan and from you know, different small breweries and big breweries. And he just had this whole wall. He was so proud of all the different types of beer he had drunk had it all lined up that he had to take you down in his basement and show you, look, what, look, look at this. It was his treasure. And I'd sit there and just go, really? Here's what Jesus says. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen, in a lot of those things, fishing, hunting, even collecting model trains, there's nothing wrong with it unless it takes me away from my divine destiny. If it, if it robs me of my vision for what my life is called to be, if it takes my resources that I should be investing in divine things, in eternal things, if it gets my study time and my prep time and my growth time and where I should be growing and things, and, and it robs me, if it, if it goes past just being that moment of it and it becomes a life-encompassing issue, I'm just telling you, it becomes wrong. It robs you of who God created you to be. And you miss divine destiny. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. So, we even hear this in the church and it's wrong. There, there are things you can take with you. Have you heard it said you can't take it with you? There's a lot of things you can't take with you. You can't take the model trains with you. But there are a lot of things you can take with you. And that's where our divine destiny is about. Divine destiny is measured in eternal value. So the question comes down when we want to see what's a successful life and what's that, that big day going to mean. Well, what's going to happen with what you've invested your life in when you're gone? You can work a lifetime in a career and a few short years be simply forgotten. Nobody even know you were there. Few remember your name. That can happen in any of our careers, in anything that we do. Wealth can be, be accumulated, and when you're gone, it gets distributed out to people who are going to spend it in ways you wouldn't approve. It's gone. What about the train set or the fishing gear or the golf equipment? It goes out to a garage sale or out to somebody who's interested in it for a little, and before long, it's gone. All that that you build and accumulate, you're so proud of and so excited about, can disappear in a second. What about all the beer bottles and the can collection? Probably in the trash. Moth and rust destroy. But there are things you can take with you. It's not the talent that you have. It's not the power that you have. It's not the stuff that you have. It's the ministry to people that you do. So you take one guy and he wants to go be a fisherman just because he likes the thrill of catching fish. And you take another guy and he likes to go fish because he likes the thrill of catching the fish. But he also likes to take his son with him. And he invests his life in his son. And he teaches his son. He talks about the issues of character and the issues of godliness while they're sitting in a, on the bank of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a lake or sitting in a boat. And he invests in that son or that grandson or that friend that he goes with. And he turns something that he's interested in into an investment in a life he says right here right here I can do something that makes a difference in somebody's life and it transforms everything 
the career man who influences people in his office to put their hope in Jesus, who lives a faithful life in front of them, who listens and, and looks for times when they're hurting or in need, and he invests in their life. That wealthy woman who cares for her family but also pours wealth into ministry to others to make others' lives better and to say, God, you've given to me so that I can give and be a blessing to others. So many things that can be done. You take the train guy. Okay, I have no idea what he can do. But for most of us, in every gift and talent that we have in life, God has something for us to do. You were created for a work in Jesus. Use your gifts, your talents, your interests to help people and to point them to Jesus. And bingo, you're working in the kingdom. Many years ago now, there were two Sunday school teachers. During the Depression, walked up and down the street in their neighborhood, knocked on doors, and invited kids to go to Sunday school. Told them if they'd come for a year, they'd win a little prize. And a little boy and his sister and brother decided that prize sounded good and started walking down to that Sunday school every Sunday. They did that until their father moved them out of town to live on a farm and then they didn't go to church anymore for years. But at a key moment in that man's life, that little boy's life, at a key moment of crisis in his life, he remembered a song that he'd been taught in that Sunday school class. And he promised God, if you'll help me, I'll live for you. He didn't know what that meant. But God began a process in his life. That man was my dad. And I wonder sometimes, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's happened, that God has taken those two Sunday school teachers and brought them over to the rail of heaven and said, look what you started. Look what you started. A family living for God, pastor for over 50 years, missions work supported all around the world thousands of people have come to Christ look what you started they had no way of knowing they had no way of knowing how could they have known but we look around today and we sit in this room because two Sunday school teachers went down and talked to a little boy churches have been started Ministries have been built because God started something with two Sunday school teachers. Listen to me. Hear me today. God wants to use you to start something. It's not the big things. We want to think about the big things, but it usually starts with the small things. And even the small things, even the big things, 
are built on the nucleus of the small things. It's the person who opens their home to somebody. It's the person who knocks on the door and says, come on down. It's the person who spends a little bit of time going out of their way to minister to another person that make the big differences in life. And God wants to use you to do that. As a boy in third grade, we had a bunch of us, I remember talking one day around the back of the classroom. It's all the boys in our class. I don't know how, we, how that happened, but I remember us sitting back there talking and we all began to talk about our dads and, and uh, every one of our dads in that third grade classroom had served in World War II or in Korea, every one of them except one. There was one boy whose dad had not been in the service. His dad had never served in the military. And, and when we'd gone around the room, we'd all talked about, you know, my dad was in World War II, he's a Marine, my dad was in the Navy, my dad was, went to Korea and he was in this. We'd all talk, and every boy was proud of their dad. And they get around to this boy whose dad had never served and he just said, you know, my dad was never in the military. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't proud of his dad. He just, never, he, he just said, my dad didn't serve in the military. And one of the other boys spoke up and said, that's impossible. If, 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 that's impossible. He'd be in jail. You know, third grade boys. Your minds don't comprehend a lot of things. And it was harsh. It was a harsh statement. Uh, but most of the boys agreed that there must be something wrong with this dad. Must be a traitor or a chicken or something. I mean, just, you're third grade boys. All of which his dad had served in the military during some pretty tough times. And I, I remember going home that night and talking to my dad. And I asked him about that and what, told him what the other boys had said. And my, mother, my dad sat me down. He said, listen, listen, that's, none of that's true. He, he may not have served for many reasons. And he began to walk me through reasons why his dad may not, said he may not have been the right age. He may have fallen in an age and time when he just wasn't the right age to serve in the military. He may have had a health issue that kept him from serving in the military. He, he may have had a faith issue that kept him from serving in the military. He, he may have had a career that was important to, uh, to, to things that he didn't serve. In the, and he just went through a whole bunch of reasons with me of why that man was not a coward or was not against breaking the law was not, not doing anything he said no those boys shouldn't treat him that way his we have you have no idea why his dad didn't serve in the military as a third grader i understood that then his dad shouldn't be in jail but whenever i would think about him in third grade i felt sorry for him i wondered if he was embarrassed as a third grader i've grown i grew out of that I was proud of my dad. I, I was proud of his part in protecting our country. All that was in the third grade. I know I'm going to stand before my father in heaven someday. I'm going to stand there by faith in his son to be my savior. Will I have treasures to bring or will I be embarrassed? Will I have fought a faithful fight? Or will I have been a coward? Or will I have been selfish? Will I have sought out my divine destiny? What he meant for me to do. Will I have started something? Or will I have started nothing? You and I were not born at a time when we were, when we were not called. 
We were born at a time when we are called. Our health does not exempt us. Our faith calls us to duty. And there is no career that takes precedent over our divine destiny. We are absolutely without excuse. Oh, it doesn't have to be the worldwide ministry. It has to be the door that's in front of you today. The thing you're called to do now, the place you can make a difference today. Will you be faithful to the call? Our days are numbered. A big day's coming. I'm grateful that the reason I get to go into heaven is not by any of my works. I get to go into heaven because of my faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus also tells me, don't don't work at things where moth and rust and, and don't store up your treasures where all those things get destroyed and there are no more. But store up treasures in heaven where none of those things can be touched. And I'm telling you, that is always about ministry to people. To individuals and when we do that we fulfill the call of God amen father we thank you today and I pray you'd help us in this room help us each one to start something that if you would tarry Lord would have fruit that would be a hundredfold because we didn't lose sight of what was important but we kept our focus on that which matters. Lord, we know that your son did that. He came and gave himself on the cross at Calvary for the sake of people, us. He started something. And he's cre- we've been created in him that we can start something too. Help us to do that and to know what that is in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go home today, we've baptized a family in the first service, and uh, we're going to baptize three or four people in this service. I'm going to ask Scott and the team to come right now, and let's just celebrate what God is doing in people's lives. Amen? Welcome them as they come tonight today. The day you were born was a big day, important day. And on that day, a countdown began towards another big day. A day when you would go and stand before God. And in this process, there's an opportunity for another big day, an eternal day. A day for you to accept Christ as your hope, as your Lord, as your Savior. That's what these folks testify to today. That they put their hope in Jesus Christ to be their Savior. That resonates with you. You sense it. feel like there's something true about this. That's because the Spirit of God is speaking to you and telling you, you need to cross that line of faith and receive him in your, as your Savior too. There's a couple of things you need to do. One, you need to ask him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And after you've done that, you need to come and be baptized yourself. If you are baptized as a baby, you weren't baptized in your faith. You were baptized in somebody else's faith. You need to be baptized in your faith. Follow Jesus. Let's all bow our heads and let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, you know the condition of every heart in this room, and I know you love everyone. You sent your son because you love every one of us. And now today, Lord, we just pray you'd speak to every one of our hearts. We thank you for how you spoke to these hearts.
Father, invite those who need to cross that bridge of faith to invite that cro- that, them to cross that bridge today, we pray in Jesus' name. As every head's bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, today I need to accept Christ in my life as my Savior. I need to cross that bridge of faith today and begin to follow Jesus. I want him to be the Savior of my soul. If that's you, you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now in Jesus' name. I'm looking across this main floor, first of all, today. If you'll raise your hand, God bless you and God bless you today. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. Across the balcony, you'll raise your hand and say, God bless you. I see that hand there. Others today. Amen. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you, to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're one of those folks who raised your hand uh, there's a couple of really important things for you to do today. One is for you to tell, if you came with somebody, for you to tell them what you did. That's the important thing. That'll, you're speaking those words. You know, I raised my hand for prayer today. What will help your body, your spirit, come into submission fully to God. And, and I just want to encourage you to do that. It's not, you know, it's not necessary for your salvation. It's just a good thing for you to do. How many of you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Father, we close this service with this thought. Show us the things you would have us to do to fulfill our divine destiny. And let us start something that will change many lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord today.